And welcome to another Billy Is Here episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, thankfully, with fan favorite Billy Holiday. Hello there. And also, apparently, just Jeremy Gregory. <laughs> hey there. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of feedback on the last show that when people hear that Billy's not there, they turn it off. So I'm glad I'm glad you're here, <laughs> and I'm in to work on a Billy soundboard so I can trick people when you're not. Uh, but Billy, since you missed our last show, did you have anything you wanted to say about Bonk's adventure? Yeah, I actually I, I you know played the damn shit out of that thing. I um and and I do have to apologize for my my absence. I have taken on a new job, and it's one that takes me away from home all week long and if sitting around in a airbnb room uh eating a whole lot of sheets uh sounded like a dream to you i can tell you that it is not and you will be up four pounds and probably throwing up within the third day um if my experience is anything like it uh good thing is um because that has given me plenty of time to play through some games and yeah whipped through bonk and really enjoyed it uh, I didn't really have anything bad to say about it. I can kind of see why the character didn't really uh, catch on. Not quite as endearing as a, a Mario or a or a Sonic. Uh, but, I mean, a, a solid game. And this was the one on TurboGrafx-16 uh, that I would have been jealous to, to know my friends were playing. Because uh, I know we have... Uh, We've played some TurboGrafx games on here that made me grateful that I did not have one growing up. But I think Bonk would have been one of the exceptions. Uh, and I do have to apologize if the, the quality is dipping a little bit. That is because I packed all of my recording equipment except all necessary cords for it. So I am I'm on it phone style this time. Uh, um, it, it sounds yeah, okay. Bonk can't can't say enough good things about it. Well, and I think I was just assuming that anytime I pick a TurboGrafx game from here on out, you were just going to not make it to the next show. So I'm glad to hear that you liked Bonk. The, the last one you missed, I think, was Military Madness, which I also think you would have liked. Uh, but other than Bonk, since you've had all this time, have you played anything you wanted to, to go over real quick? Well, I've played a few things. Uh, I've, I've, I've had plenty of time. Uh, I played through Psychonauts. That is a game that has it's haunted me because I've gotten to about the halfway point on it many times over, but but never managed to finish it. So I, I set out to do that. Um, I, I finished it up last week, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to say too much about it, because I know a lot of people like that game, and we're trying to gain listeners, so I'm not going to express my feelings fully on that game. Uh, it's an outstanding game, and within the last level, it's so demanding that it may or may not expose all of the flaws in the controls of that game. Um, other than that, uh, the game I've been putting most time in is uh, a game called Ruiner. And I, I mentioned it to you guys uh, yesterday. Couldn't couldn't recommend it enough. It's kind of a, a top-down, just a, almost a hotline Miami sci-fi type thing going on with it. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And it's, it's a shorter game, and I think I'm, I'm nearing the end of that after about the, the five or six hour mark. Yeah, you did mention it. I looked it up, and it does look like something I would probably be into, especially if I know that it's shorter. I keep picking up bigger and bigger games. Uh, thankfully... Mm. Uh, I can say once again, I did not spend much time on Monster Hunter World uh, since our last episode, so congratulations to me. Instead, because mm -hmm. I was on vacation, which is one of the reasons we picked a game that was on the Classic, I've played, other than this week's game, uh, I've played nothing 
but Ease games since our last recording. I finished up <laughs> uh, the Ease 4 remake on the Vita, uh, Memories of Celsetta or Kelsetta. Um, excellent. It, it, I don't know why I got stopped on it. It wasn't like I got got to a point where I couldn't get any farther. I just kind of like was like, yeah, I'll get back to this later because it's a mobile game and I'll, I'll get to it on the next trip or something. And then it's been probably a year and a half since I did that. But I focused on that all vacation, finished it up, and went directly into Ease Origin. Uh, which, I don't know if you've played any of the Ease games, Ease Origin is probably the least Ease-like of the games. It it basically mm. is just dungeons. It's a, it's a game of nothing but the Ease dungeon style. So there's not a lot of, I mean, there's story, but there's not a lot of external story. A lot of the other Ease games have a lot of exploration and side quests and little things to do. This, this is just streamlined dungeons. You're just in one giant tower that goes up and up and up and up and up, and you have to just keep going forever. Uh, and now I'm playing Ease 8 on the PlayStation 4. So a lot of Ease, nothing but Ease. And I cannot say enough. I think if I had to pick a series, uh, like that, I would say is the the series that I've always kind of gravitated to. It's the Ease series, and I'm not sure if it's because uh, the Turbo Graphics connection, but I will say that's what it is. I've been playing it. Uh, I played every one of the games that's come out in the U.S. and I love it, and I cannot get enough. Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh, not too, not really too much, uh, since I've actually been able to get up and get around and get back to work. Uh, I've I've really just been kind of catching up on that lately, but uh, I, I did kind of start to get back into Destiny Two, and that's I, I'm still really enjoying that game. That was uh, one of those things that just ran out of things to do. I think we talked about it before on the podcast mm-hmm. that it's just when you got to the end of that game, uh, it didn't really have much of an end game. Yeah, and uh, since then they they've added the expansions and the uh, the new one Forsaken is is just about to come out. So I've been playing that a lot and just kind of getting back into it and getting ready for the the big expansion and it, it been having fun with that. There's, you know, it's just more Destiny and if you like more Destiny then I that's what you're going to get. Uh, they've yeah. definitely changed it up a lot uh since uh since I'd stopped playing it a year ago. And there there's just a lot more little things to kind of mess with and find uh in the end game and uh, kind of getting my light level up and stuff like that. But I, yeah, I mean, if you if you didn't like it before, you're probably not going to find much here that's going to change your mind. But there's there's just more of it, and I enjoy Destiny too. It was a fun game, just kind of ran out of things to do. So that's that's really all I've been playing lately. Uh, Spider Man's coming out next week. I'm I'm it really is. looking forward to that. Uh, but but besides that, just uh, been doing the whole adult thing of of actually doing my job. Well, you did get all that time off to just hang out while you couldn't do anything else at all in an enjoyable way. So that's probably a good thing. Uh, I guess I'll get to finally try Destiny 2 as it's, I think, this one of this month's free PlayStation Plus games. So maybe that's what I'll talk about next week. But we're getting off track. We need to focus on this episode's game, Star Tropics for the Nintendo. excited when I when I heard that this game was was due up to be reviewed. Uh, this is a game that I have a lot 
of fond memories of. And, and I'll go ahead and say it has nothing to do with the game itself more than my father and I had maybe two or three NES games we both agreed upon playing together. There was Contra, and there was Metal Gear, and there was this one. So any game where I remember us kind of sitting side by side, you know, not even, it's not even two player, but, you know, just kind of helping each other work through uh, kind of, I mean, it leaves a fond memory. Uh, and I remember really enjoying the game. That being said, haven't touched it in over 20 years. Uh, so I was looking forward to, to seeing if it was just all, uh, all just looking back fondly upon that time or if, or if there was actually something good about this game. And I had never actually even heard of this game until uh, a random episode of Game Pro TV. Mm. The uh, if if you guys have never watched Game Pro TV, I highly suggest going to YouTube and and watching some episodes of Game Pro TV. They are the best, worst early '90s video gaming TV wow. show you could possibly ever watch. Uh, it it is so early '90s that it hurts, and the majority of those shows are spent on uh, showing codes for games, basically. Because that was kind of a big deal back then. You didn't have YouTube. You couldn't just go look up a, a code or a cheat or something on a game and see how it worked. And they would actually go in depth and show a lot of these games doing the code and, and how to do them properly. And one of them was for Star Tropics. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it was uh, at one point, there's a parrot that tells you to do me so far, do me. And that was the extent of I got that. And I was like, that's Star Tropics forever for me. That is just going to be that bird saying, do me so far, do me. So the most I was actually looking forward to doing the podcast was getting to that point and seeing uh, what the hell this game was, because I'd never actually really heard much about it growing up. I never saw it as a kid, never saw it at the video store. I'm, I may have, but I, I, it just didn't maybe look like something I was into. So this, I, I was actually looking forward to seeing what, what this game was all about. This is the only game on the NES Classic that I had no experience playing at all. I, I thought that when I saw it, you know, when it was new and it came out, it just looked like um, like an Island Legend of Zelda clone, and I didn't have any interest in it. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of how bright and cartoony everything looked, uh, especially in the, in the coverage they had in Nintendo Power or other gaming magazines. I just wasn't interested. And it's actually... I was surprised at how different it was than my original expectations, thinking it was going to just be a, a cartoony Island Legend of Zelda, which it does seem to be in moments. Uh, it's It's got a lot more to offer than that, which I thought was pretty interesting, and it's... It's also interesting that it is. This is a game made by Japanese developers for only the North American and European market. This was never supposed to come out in Japan, and that makes no sense to me, uh, especially because it, you know, all the things that it kind of tries to be funny come across as really poorly translated. So, <laughs> so why this wouldn't have originally been a Japanese game that came out here uh, is bizarre. But I, I'd never tried it, and so I was excited to to give a game a shot that is considered a classic by a lot of people. It's a Nintendo property. It had a sequel. Uh, and I'd never, ever tried it, so this was a good choice. My first impressions of the game for actually playing it, uh, I thought the music was really good. I didn't mind how bright and cartoony the graphics were, but the control in this game is weird. <laughs> oh, this has got to be addressed first thing. It has this to be. Is, uh... it, it, from the moment I started playing the game, I mean, the, if so before we get to where the control's super bad, the game starts you off on like an overworld map like you'd see in a role-playing game. But there's no enemies there. It's just used for 
you like the the puzzle part of role playing games. Go back and forth from da- towns or uh, caves or whatever to find whatever the next thing is to go to the next part of the quest. There's no combat. It's just going back and forth, talking to townspeople that say some of the worst things, which is another reason I'm surprised this isn't a, uh, like a port of a game with bad translation. You'll go to the first island and people say things like, hey, are you from Americola? You're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense, but I'm glad I heard it. And and eventually you talk to the right people that, that get you to the next part. That part, fine. It was a, a puzzle part. I like that in games. It didn't bother me, but the control was what I expected for that. It's the next part, the part that looks like Legend of Zelda on an island. The control is is not Legend of Zelda. It's something, and to think that this, you know, Zelda came out first and and had much more fluid uh, controls <laughs> than this. This is something. Uh, your character controls basically like fucking RoboCop. Uh, you. <laughs> You you can go up and down. You can go left and right. Uh, there is no diagonal. There are no smooth transitions from going. Uh, you come to a complete stop when you're going up. If you want to turn left, you go up. You stop. You turn left, then you go. It is a uh, yeah. I don't. I, I did not recall that. Um, that's one of those things you see and you wonder. You know, how did I have patience with this as a kid? Um, but yeah, this really, it was jarring. Uh, I, uh, we Even, you know, playing all these older games, I don't think we've encountered one uh, that the controls quite like this. It's just the stiffest feeling game that I think you could possibly make. I He, he just, the way he moves is, is so stiff. And, and it's like you said, like you, you can actually... It's almost like it's paused every single time you uh, mm-hmm. press in a direction. You're actually pressing it twice, sort of, to make him go. And it's this weird delay. So you can press up, down, or left, or right, and he will then face that direction. He won't actually start moving until, like, half a second later. And I sort of understand why they did that, because it, it does kind of fit in with the overall, just the way this game plays in, in these dungeon sections. It's awkward and it's weird, but that's just it's it's made to be stiff like that. But man, it feels awful. That was by far the biggest thing with this game, besides a few other weird things. But just controlling Mike is is possibly the stiffest thing I have ever control in a video game I've ever had to deal with. Well, it's it's not even that necessarily that it's that that second push thing like you're talking about. It's Every screen in the action section, so the game's broken out into the overworld and the action sections, right? So the action sections, which are the dungeons you fight through, are screen by screen like Zelda is. So you get to the top of one screen, if there's a door, it'll scroll to the next screen. So every screen is a self-contained action room. Each room is built out of squares, essentially, and your character moves in those squares. So you can't move and stop any point you want. You're going to move a set amount from... The time you push the controller to go to the, you know, you'll go one square over. You'll completely move out of the square you're in into another square. And this is extremely important in later sections of the dungeons because unlike in Zelda, Mike can jump. So Mike has two buttons because it's a Nintendo controller. One is to use your weapon, which starts its, I think they call it like the shooting star or something, but it's a yo-yo. I don't know why they don't just call it a yo-yo. It's a yo-yo. It looks like a yo-yo. It does almost no damage, and it's a yo-yo. The other button lets you jump, but jumping in this game because of these, the square, the way that you move basically by squares is is terrible. First off, there's no turning around once you started, which is fine. A lot of games don't have that. It's pretty common now. 
and weird when you can't kind of change directions from a jump. But in this game, no. If you start jumping in a direction, you there's nothing you can do. You're going to finish that jump. Also, you can only jump over what's considered one square worth of space. And you will only make that jump when there is something to jump over. So if you're just trying to jump across the room, I don't know, because you're bored and it looks cool, you can't. You can only jump over jumpable items. And otherwise, you just jump straight up. Now, that does help you dodge some things because enemies will shoot at you or there will be traps and things you can jump over, spears that come out of the walls or whatever. But, But otherwise, if you're trying to jump forward, you can only jump forward one space worth and only when there is something to jump over. It is a bizarre set of controls considering, like this would be a fine set of controls for a puzzle game. This is an okay set of controls for a role-playing mm. game. This game, however, though, everything else in the game treats this like Legend of Zelda action games. So you're trying to, to dodge things that move around the room in, in a faster and diagonal method in some, in some ways than you can. And you're still trying to do this square-by-square movement and turn very slowly to make sure you can, uh, can hit the other enemies. It, it is, it's a weird choice, especially because, you, you know, Billy just mentioned a minute ago, Zelda came out two, three years before this and is the same kind of adventure game in the dungeons, and that control is just fine. And it, it, Also, like, your character is fairly large. Like, you don't yeah. stay the same size whenever you go into these dungeons. Like, in the overworld, you're just this tiny little sprite. You know, it kind of looks like Final Fantasy. But when you go into the dungeon, like, you, it, it kind of, the camera's close up a little bit. And it's uh, it's very hard to dodge most, <laughs> most things. Because if anything is moving faster than you, or diagonally, you are at a complete disadvantage as to how many, if, if this thing, if and when it's going to actually hit you, and how many times. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 a given. Everything is going to be moving faster than you in this thing. Um, there, that's that's one big complaint. And even back in the you know the, the early dungeons, I was experiencing where you're going to get hit. Um, maybe some people can play through and then and just hit those buttons just just right. But I was just taking a lot of hits that it was just because that every enemy in this game is just is so much quicker than your character so the game is broken up into chapters unlike a game like like zelda is a good comparison uh you know which mm-hmm. which has eight dungeons but it's really an open game you can go to the dungeons in some cases in different orders although you can't finish them really in any other order but this is broken out into set chapters you can't go back into previous areas uh i think that's good for the purpose of telling a story and i think it makes the the outdoor puzzle sections uh more interesting that way you don't have to kind of there's not a lot of backtracking and and mm-hmm. boredom outside of you know it, other than what's inside the individual chapter the chapters are uh varying links the first couple chapters aren't so bad um the story of star tropics is is your mike and you've been sent to go find your uncle dr jones i think uh, who's vanished? Uh, you know he's from. He went to these tropical islands uh, and has vanished. So you've you've gone to go try to find him. And when you get to the first chapter, you arrive to the first island. That's you get a, an overhead area. You find the town of Coral Cola. Uh, the chief of Coral Cola tells you your your uncle has been abducted and asks you to help save him. And he gives you your your yo-yo weapon. Uh, this will lead you to an, the first of the action areas, which is where you you kind of figure out the other half of the game. Um, the first set of, of, uh, the first dungeon's not bad. It, it's, it does introduce you to the kind of game it is, but it seems very slow. Uh, none of the enemies are completely 
drastic. The end of the rooms aren't terribly full. Not a lot shoots at you. Uh, it just kind of teaches you how to play those those puzzle games. So for the first, even the first two chapters, I was kind of like, okay, this is a pretty simple game. Uh, the the dungeon parts aren't hard. Uh, in the first uh, the first chapter, there's a the, the first time you meet a boss. It's a giant snake, but that's a pretty simple boss. You basically jump back and forth off platforms and you know use this this torch weapon you get that shoots a a little fireball forward to, to shoot that boss. Again, the first two chapters, I was kind of like, okay, this will be really easy. I'll finish this in an afternoon. Uh, I, yeah, I guess this is like a, an introduction game for people, and that's why I was never into it. Uh, chapter three, this game just punches you in the face. Yeah, that was how I got to it. I was like, this seems just like baby's first role-playing game because it is a, a very simple <laughs> style R- action RPG. But when you get to stage three... They decided to make a real game because it it just it, it is nonstop. It doesn't ease you into the game anymore. You had two two stages enough to do that, and now it suddenly let's put the difficulty almost all the way up. Yeah, and, and I'm three for three on that one. The first two, uh, yeah, you get that that false sense that hey, this is going to be a breeze. I also figured I was going to finish this thing in a day or two. Um, the first two you blow through and I, and I, I guess it does a good job of kind of teaching you how the dungeons are going to work, you know, how to, how to use some of the, the weapons you pick up, uh, the, the jumping mechanic, the fucking switch hitting that you're going to be doing constantly on here. Um, button pressing and whatnot. And, but yeah, that third one without warning, that is when you know you, you're officially, you're not going to be finishing this. In you know one single evening, the button pushes and the switches you just mentioned. Uh, I didn't even think about. Well, I mean, notes here. I don't even have them marked until the third chapter. I know they were in the earlier chapters, but they were very simple. So all these levels have yes. uh, a lot of these screens will have doors that don't open until you. You know, they're they're clearly marked squares on the floor that are a different color. You jump on them, and sometimes uh, it will make a switch appear somewhere in the room. Then you jump on that switch, and it opens the door. I mean, very simple puzzles. In the mm. first two chapters, chapter three, it starts going crazy where there are uh, switches that you jump on and then it makes uh, new switches show up that will actually uh, cause parts of the wall to look a little weird. And that's how you have to, you know, you have to go through, like walk through the wall in an invisible doorway. It, it's got parts of the map that th- there are enemies that are placed in such a way that you can't see these hidden doorways until you kill them, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, is there a little weird mark there on the wall? And then you know to walk through it. I, I mean, this is I had to actually look at how to get through one of these dungeons, uh, and that's how I knew I was going to have a problem. I had to actually look up online and say, wait a minute, I'm doing something wrong. I've gone through every room in this dungeon. I found all the, you know, I opened up all the doors. I found all the things I can find. I can't find the boss on the way out of this dungeon. And it was like, oh, the first room you're in, the very beginning, you have to walk through this wall over on the left. And you can see the mark once you know it's there. But it looks like decoration because it's also normally the first level and the last, or try again, normally the first room and the last room of any dungeon are just staircase entrances. So you don't even think to look there for things. There's a lot of that in the later stages where they just, the things you have to do to figure out just how to get through these dungeons are way harder than almost any Zelda dungeon, maybe not Second Quest, uh, but definitely harder than the standard dungeon game especially after playing through the first two chapters which might have all just been one big line yeah and, and i knew i was in for some shit on this one too because just like you had to look online uh, i 
had a flashback to my damn childhood. I went and got a, a manual. I got the, uh, you know, that NES classic the book they put out with the first time the classic came around that, that focused on all the games in it. And there I was sprawled out on the floor, this thing in front of me, looking at the damn map on this thing, trying to figure out how to get through. Um, and yeah, and that's awful early in a game to have to resort to something like that. And, and yet, I mean, this is, is much, much more difficult than any, any dungeon in Zelda, but I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult for a lot of the wrong reasons though. And that's it's a that's a recurring theme starting from stage three onward, basically to the end of the game. And it should also be mentioned that this isn't just sections of a dungeon. This is like every single room that you walk into to these dungeons. It has some sort of either you need to kill a, a, all the enemies, you need to kill a particular enemy, you need to find a hidden door, you need to jump on the switches in a certain order. Uh, to open up a door. I mean, it is every single room yeah. that you go into. It is not just a, a few puzzles here and there scattered across like in a Zelda dungeon. It, it just, that's what you're going to be doing every single room. And if that doesn't sound fun, then I, you're probably not going to like Star Tropics for very long. Yeah, and, and fatigue sets in with that really quick when you realize it, like Jeremy was saying, in Zelda, every now and then, there there's a room that you need to, to push a block or, or something like that. Or uh, you know, kill kill all the enemies to to move forward. It 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 just gets very tiresome in this that that almost every screen you are going to have to stand there and just figure out what do I do, what do I do to advance, and and yeah, and, and then you realize that you are, and roughly you know what an eighth of the way through the game at this point. And there are a lot of dungeons to go, and that's a lot of screens. And and yeah, uh, this is one of those games where, as, as fondly as I recall it, if I wasn't playing this for the for the podcast and trying to, to make it through to the end, I, I can't tell you that I would have advanced too far along in it. Well, it thankfully does save your progress. Uh, this is one I played pretty much exactly as I would have played it uh, on the original system. I mean, it was on the classic, mm -hmm. but I didn't use save states at all. It does save, and it auto-saves every time you enter or exit one of these dungeons or start mm -hmm. a new chapter. Um, you, you do have a number of lives, uh, so when you start a dungeon, the first two dungeons are short, and they're very straightforward, and both the first two chapters have one dungeon in them. So, you, you know, the way you think the game is going to progress is puzzle section to figure out where the dungeon is, do the dungeon, maybe there's a boss, then, you know, finish up the story part and the role-playing section, then move to Chapter 2. Chapter 2 does the exact same thing. So you're like, okay, I see how this game's going to work. Chapter 3 has not just the puzzle sections, but three different dungeons in this chapter, mm. in this chapter and all of them are much harder than the first two chapters put together. Uh, they Two out of three of them have bosses, and <laughs> this is... The, the level that kind of introduces you to a lot of the additional items uh, that you can find in these dungeons. So unlike in... in and I'm going to keep using Zelda as a comparison, because I think you kind of have to for this sort of game. Oh, yeah. In Legend of Zelda, you find you go to a dungeon, you find an item like the boomerang. Well, now you have a boomerang permanently. You have a, a, an item selection screen. You can make item B your... Uh, use your uh, boomerang button. Great. Well, this game seems like it's going to do the same thing, because you get uh, four action... Uh, item holders on the bottom of the screen and as you hit the select button it'll switch which active weapon you have so the in the first couple dungeons you get like a bat and i think you get that 
that torch that I mentioned, and that's really all you see in the first two dungeons. But I did notice in those dungeons that once you leave those dungeons, you lose those items. And if you die, you lose those items. Now, it's not a big deal because those, those two items are kind of specific to the area you're in, uh, but also not that great. The bat is only useful uh, because it gives you a 360-degree attack, but you have to be very precise with the timing. Uh, it helps with some of the faster enemies that, that when they walk right next to you, they shoot you or whatever, uh, or those fucking flies, which are my least favorite enemy in this game, because uh, they fly diagonally right at you and kind of bounce around the screen, and you're very slow. Uh, you take a lot of damage when you get hit in this game, even from the most basic of monsters, and you only have five or six hearts at, you know, early on. Uh, later on, you, you end up having more hearts, but then enemies do a lot more damage. So you basically can take five or six hits before you're dead uh, in the best-case situation. And a lot of the time when you're fighting these enemies, because you're so much slower, they'll hit you two or three times before you can get out of their way. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of times where the things go south in this game incredibly fast. And to make it so that the items you've picked up outside of your main weapon all go away when you die is just, uh, not just die, but finish the section too, is a giant punch in the mouth. Um, what I did like about that though is it means, unlike in most games where I end up stockpiling every special item because I'm afraid I'll waste them, like in a, like a Final Fantasy, I'll finish the game, like, oh, look, I have a thousand elixirs left because I never used them. Uh, you have to use them. There's no point in not using them. Even in, in the best case situation, you finish the level easily, you're still going to lose all those items. So just use them. Use them as much as you can, uh, get the best use out of all those items. In the third chapter, they start introducing you to some items that some items that don't attack necessarily, and they go on this. When you pause the game, you have to then hit down, I think, on the control button, and it gives you another list of special use items. Uh, the most obvious of which is potions. That's where you can uh, it heals like I think five or six hearts at a time. Uh, but again, they go away if you die. So if you forget to use one and you die, too bad, you've lost your potion. Uh, also, they don't randomly drop off enemies. They are in specific areas. So if your dungeon doesn't have those potions. Too bad, you're not going to get any potions. Uh, but what the third um, chapter gets to you, uh, there's a ghost maze in one section. You go to a ghost town, and there's a maze you find underneath a gravestone. And it gives you a magic rod that, at first you use it, you don't know what it does. If you use the magic rod, which only has, I think, five charges, in a room that has an invisible enemy, the enemy will appear. And in some maps, there will be sections where I couldn't find the door to escape the room and then when you finally remember oh wait I do have these other items and you use the rod all of a sudden a ghost shows up in like a weird corner of the room and they don't move so you just go and kill it and all of a sudden like a wall blasts open and there's the next way into the next room that's another thing I had to look up and I was like this game is going to drive me crazy because not only did I have to remember to use that item in there I can only use it five times before I lose it there are no refills so if I use it in every room before I get to this point or use it three times in a room because I don't know what it does there's nothing I can do to get past where I'm stuck and, and I mean that's the trouble because inevitably when you first get this item you're gonna you know you're gonna waste a couple uses you know trying to really just figure out what the, what the hell the gist of it is so yeah I mean just five and there are, there are more than five uses and I know myself I I blew it and I used it a couple times before I realized, you know, that that it wasn't coming back, that that, that five was not going to be refilled. There's nothing I like less than than when I am completely stuck because of something like that. Like, it's one thing if it's I just couldn't figure it out. Okay, sure. Or once you use them all, you go back to the room and it's there again. Okay, I would have mm. been fine with that. But no, if you use them all, you've lost them. 
And in some cases, the, even if you could go back and get them, it's a room that you can no longer get to because the, the doorway doesn't open in two directions. It's a one, you know, one directional. Uh, it also has uh, some puzzles in here in these dungeons where there are invisible floor traps that take you to other sections mm. of the dungeon. Uh, I mean, this game has some incredibly frustrating dungeon design. And yeah. even now, I, I had the manual to the game because the classic, actually, I was pretty impressed with how nice their, their manuals are on the Nintendo website for the classic games. I still was like, this game, I have to look up the answer to this. I'm going to lose my mind. They're just incredibly unfair designs that I don't know how I would have gotten through this when I was younger without mm -hmm. looking it up. I mean, I had to look it up this time, and I'm 40 years old. But when I was yeah. eight and I couldn't have looked it up, <laughs> would I have just thrown this game out the window? I probably now, this this is probably a good time to squeeze in. Uh, you, you spoke earlier about uh, the damage you take uh, from enemies, and you don't have a lot of hearts, and yeah, they dwindle down quick. Uh, it, it should be worth mentioning, you can fucking one-hit kill yourself in this game also. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Not like, uh, not like other games. Any game has established when there is an area you can fall off, whether it's off the, the side of, a, of a, a cliff or if it's in the water. Uh, you lose like half a heart, you reappear at the bottom of the screen, and you, you continue on. Uh, there are a lot of, of water obstacles in this game, and they, you know, they usually take up a whole square. And this is the time, like Jeremy P was saying earlier, you're able to actually jump forward and, and over that square, usually onto a switch or another part of land. Uh, but if you fuck up, if you for some reason take a jump and there are two squares of water, you're only clearing one. There. Uh, and you go into the water for whatever reason. That's that's not a heart. That's not half a heart off. That's not a heart down. That's a fucking death. That is a whole life lost. And I can guarantee you that you're going to do this, uh, and you're probably going to do it more than once. And it is ultimately the most ultimately frustrating thing. And that's where the the bad controls come in as mm. well. I mean, there's there were more than a few times where I, 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 the way he jumps and the way he moves is so slow and stiff that I was actually still holding the direction uh, while he was jumping over there. Mm. And I, instead of going the direction I wanted to go, he just kept jumping. He, he just jumped off into nothing, into the water and died. And that happened to me several times just because of, of the way he moves and, and the way he jumps around mm. things, uh, it, it's it's really frustrating. Well, and the jump is, I mean, yeah, it's a set, um, a set space, you jump over things, but the timing of it, you need to have a second once you land, and then you can jump yeah. again. It's not like you can, you know, just keep pushing jump, and he'll jump fast over three items. He has to stop, and then jump, and then stop, and then jump, and there will be parts of these levels where it is essentially nothing but little platforms to jump on, some of which disappear when you jump on them, some of which go up and, you know, vanish under the water and flip up over time. And you have to time these things perfectly, or else if you land on one and it goes away or it falls down or whatever, you immediately die. If you fall or, or misjump, like Billy was saying, you immediately die. Um, again, you have a handful of lives in the game. However, when you do die, you either go back to the beginning of that dungeon or the last checkpoint. Once you've lost all your lives, thankfully you start at the beginning of a dungeon, but starting in Chapter 3, some of those dungeons are long enough that you're like, man, that's an yeah. hour of my life. I'm not getting back. <laughs> and yeah, I've gotten all the way to the end. There's some ground on here you're not going to want to recover. 
No, there, there's definitely some dungeons that are super long or have some fairly difficult sections, especially because you take so much damage that if, if you, even if you get to the next checkpoint and die, you come in, you, whenever you die and come back, you get three hearts, which is insulting. Uh, most enemies early on will do a heart or more of damage, and later on, even in, up to the last level, if you die, you come back with three hearts, and everything does like five hearts of damage when it hits you. So it's just, it is insulting that you come back with only three hearts. And since you've lost all your items when you die, it's not like you can start with three hearts and be like, oh good, I saved this potion, I was so smart. No, nope, you come back, you have three hearts, and that's it. Now some of the dungeons are at least fair enough to say, okay, we know you've probably died to this point. So when you go to the next room, there's like a, an optional room that has a couple heart containers or something in it, something that fills up a little bit of your life. Uh, the, the, the hardest dungeons in this game for me were in chapter five and they they all had sections at the start of the dungeon and like at a midpoint where you could take some extra rooms out that might be a little challenging but that's how you'll get your hearts back because otherwise that's it you'd be done you die once you're like well that was great i guess i'll turn this off like in a shooter like in gradius you you can be the king of the world then you die and all of a sudden you have one gun and you're like well i i don't even know i have more lives i'm never going to get through this uh, to, to make matters worse on the jumping, though, the instant kill jumping is, one of the items in the game that you can find is a, like a, it looks like magic shoes that let you jump two spots. It turns your character orange, and you now can jump up to two spots. And the, thankfully, the game is nice enough to say if it's one that, if you can make the jump in one or in two, it lets you do it. So it's not like you have to hold the button down longer to get two spots. Uh, however... I didn't realize the first time I got this item that the next room over, that item is gone. Even though you've used it and you, you use it in that room, you're no longer orange. So I should have thought ahead of time, oh, I'm no longer orange. Perhaps I'm not. And I tried to make a jump to the two square away item and I immediately just jumped in and died. And it was after I got through like, I mean, it took me forever to figure out how to get to where I was. And I finally was so excited I got to that next room. And to do that was probably the closest I came in this game to just turning it off and saying, you know what, I've seen enough of Star Trek to discuss it for this podcast. I mean, it was at, at World 6, I want to say, or Chapter 6, so I only had two chapters left, but I I had to take a break and come back tomorrow. Like, I had to come back another day and try again. I was so mad when that happened. But, you know, as much, and I think we have actually spent this entire episode complaining about the difficulty of this game and, and the near un unplayability of some things but it's got to be said i, I got to take a brief intermission from from slamming these fucking controls and these levels to say that I, at no point in time did i when i thought that i wasn't going to play this thing again i kept getting dragged back in this game has some kind of appeal to it um it's certainly not in the dungeons uh, i you know i I really enjoy the interactions with the characters once you get out of the dungeons, once you're out and about in the in the various towns. There's some some humor there. It's it's completely unintentional because it's all just a shitty dialogue. Uh, but there's just something about it, and and I think we've said this to each other multiple times over the course of playing this game is that we we it's it's a bizarre love hate thing, or maybe just a like hate thing with this game. It's it's definitely got a lot of those maddening early NES design decisions that just it, that never made sense anywhere anywhere past yeah. that time period. It is filled with them. It is just a game filled with you know like the items 
with with I can understand like the the ammo and stuff going away or the special weapons, but like the shoes, the the magic rod, the the fucking lantern, uh, because there's oh, yeah. a lot of those in, in inside some of those dungeons where it just goes black and you, mm-hmm. and the game expects you to figure your way through it. Uh, if you don't have that, then you're just there's nothing you can do. You just have to literally walk around in the dark and figure it out. It, and walking through invisible walls, it is just filled with stuff like that. But yes, I mean, it, there's a charm to that as well. And it it kept me coming back to it until later in the game when a yeah. lot of that stuff started to get just a bit much. Well, the game has... It, it captures the same feeling as, I think, like an Indiana Jones, a Goonies. It's that... It's that you know, you're you're a kid, and therefore you're probably a kid when you're playing it originally. And, and this is the kind of thing that you know I, I was really into as a kid. Any game where I'm able to explore and and find these puzzles and figure out you know how to get to the secret treasure kind of stuff like those were all things I was way into. So this game hits all those buttons really well. Even even though I was frustrated at part, I mean, there's parts where you run from a giant ball, like in Indiana Jones and the I think Temple of Doom. Um, I, I mean, that's all stuff I loved in these games, and I think it it actually play as much as we just complain about how it plays i actually think it plays fairly well for that sign of the puzzle piece now the action part a little frustrating uh, a lot frustrating later on uh, but i think that for the puzzles i liked how it moved and i thought it was like especially when you're running away from those giant balls you had to really time everything perfectly because of how your yeah. character runs and that was more of a puzzle than I mean, an action puzzle, but still more of a puzzle than trying to run from bats that fly at me diagonally and do somehow seven hearts worth of damage. So I, I, I did enjoy the way that the levels were all set out. Uh, to this game's credit, because it does autosave at the beginning of every dungeon, and there are enough checkpoints in there, and again, some of the, the later dungeons, they had to have realized how hard they were. They did give you kind of those those refill health rooms that are all, you know, if you could find them. I kept coming back. I was not willing to give up on this, but you're, that only really lasts for the first six chapters. After oh, yeah. chapter it, six... It becomes, it becomes inexcusable after six. I think we've all agreed our least favorite part of this is the action dungeon parts because yeah. it doesn't control well for an action dungeon game. And level seven is nothing but an action dungeon game. There, there is a minor uh, overworld slash maze section, but mm-hmm. that really is tacked on and not a hard maze to figure out and, and really not even that important to the game. I think they just wanted to make you feel better after... <laughs> After going through the, the uh, action sections that you filled out, you know, you're like, oh man, but look, I figured out this puzzle section. Like, yeah, sure you did. But the uh, level seven, uh, story wise, you get put on a spaceship. Why? I don't know. I don't want to spoil the entire thing for you, but you're, you're in a spaceship. And it's nothing but some of the hardest action in the game. Everything does a shit ton of damage. Now, there are a lot more health items around, uh, and it does introduce guns as a, as a item you pick up uh, that, again, you'll lose if you die or, or finish the level. But 
it's it's every room is just filled with things that are doing nothing but shooting you or uh, like these bike things that fly into the room right into you over and over again that you have to just basically make sure you keep keep shooting them before they get to you and a ton of jumps that if you do wrong as we've already discussed you will jump to your death when you accidentally point the wrong direction so it's it's all the things we've complained about and none of the fun stuff for level seven level seven Chapter 7, I mean, is is by far the least fun chapter in this game. Did anyone else finish Chapter 7, or even get to Chapter 7? I got to Chapter 7, and that's where I had to stop. Because my, it, my time with this game also <laughs> also ended uh, with, within Chapter 7. I, I'm fairly certain the advantage years ago is this is probably when I handed the controller over to my father. I, I have to assume. Well, it, it just turns into a bad action game. Yes. Like everything before that, even though it was frustrating in those dungeons, there was a lot of exploration and, and things like that to go along with it. Uh, it just kind of drops all of that in Chapter yeah. 7 and is now filled with a bunch of robots that have guns that can shoot shoot you from across the screen. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a lot of guns, like you said. It gives you a lot of health to, to get through it. But this is it is like a completely different game at this point. Yeah, you don't get the you don't get the break anymore, and and that's what like the the town sections were, or the you know the parts that kind of you know something just to, to cool down in between. But when this thing decides that you know that's all done, it, it's you know we're one hundred percent action game the rest of the way through. That's when I, I you know as much as as I said at the beginning of the show as many fond memories as I have. That's when I really just kind of dialed out uh, because the the least uh, fun portion of the game becomes the the main focus. So chapter seven is hard. It's basically two giant dungeon sections of nothing but fighting, uh, with some fairly difficult bosses. But you finish chapter seven, and chapter eight is just the last fight, kind of, because you start the level, you see the bad guy, you walk into the level. Now, unfortunately, you only have three hearts. You start that chapter with three hearts, no matter what. So you're supposed to do this boss fight. All, you can basically get hit twice by a gun or once by the boss himself, like if he drives, flies into you. Uh, it's a giant head and two giant hands. It's actually a pretty neat boss. Uh, there's, there's a gun you have to pick up that's the only way you can hurt him. But it's actually not hard at all, which is how I knew there had to be something else. So you, you, you fight that. The, the, the final boss, Zoda, is his name, which is a terrible name. Uh, and, of course, he turns into some other giant monster and, and runs off. And then you have to go through a gauntlet. There are no save spots uh, or checkpoints. You just have to fly through the rest of this level. They are... um, There are incredibly poorly placed enemies that you have to kind of inch forward on the screen or they run at you and shoot you. You've got to make sure that there aren't sections where you've got yourself trapped between two different guys that shoot you and do about five hearts of damage each time. Uh, There are spots in this last area where... The floor will open up and enemies will jump out, but you can jump into those holes and go into a room that's just filled with enemies, but also gives you your only extra potions if you're lucky enough to kill all the enemies and then get the potions and get out again. But when you do that, you start at the very beginning of the level. Now, after the the first fight, at least, but you still start at the beginning of the level. And before you get to the last fight of that enemy, uh, of Zoda's second form, there's a room 
that has what looks like a generator that's protected by a wall. And meanwhile, there are two guns shooting at you from the bottom, and there are two holes in the middle of the room that open up, and guys come out uh, one at a time, thankfully, will come out and attack you. Now, if you're fully powered up, you can defeat these guys pretty easily, but this game is the king of things going south really fast. So you can have your full 20 hearts, you can have a full stock of guns, you can have you know everything you need where you think you're going to be able to, to destroy this room, and if you just get hit twice. Unfortunately, uh, the later weapons uh, you get turn your yo-yo into like a space yo-yo or whatever, and it does more damage, and it also lets you shoot a projectile, but once you get down to a certain number of hearts, it becomes an earlier weapon. So the last weapon is great if you have 10 or more hearts. It shoots a beam all the way across the room. It's pretty powerful. But if you're under 10 hearts, it becomes the second gun, which has a gun that shoots maybe a quarter of the way across the room, and it's a little bit slow. And then if you go down to under under six hearts, you're back to that original goddamn yo-yo that is impossible to hit the generator with. So you get to this room with the generator, and if you make two mistakes, boom. You can't hit the generator with anything but maybe your guns, which are weaker than the fully powered space yo-yo. And you have to constantly dodge two guns that shoot at you, plus guys that come out of the room that shoot at you and not fall in those holes, which are right over where you need to stand to shoot this generator. That room, on its own, I may have taught my children a bunch of new cool words that they shouldn't use at school, and it was all in that room. Like, I have not been so mad at a room in a video game in forever. Shit the bed. Listen to this. What game does this to you? To recap, you're talking about you, you go through a fucking area, they've lowered your health, you go through an area full of enemies, you can get away from them by dropping into a room full of even more fucking enemies, and your damn prize is that you get to start at the beginning again. Right, what, with with more health. What game does this to you? <laughs> and then to get to get to the, the last fight, you have to go through this, this generator room, which... Oh, I forgot to mention, as you're fighting the generator, a wall will come up around it, which is no big deal. It just means you can't shoot it, except that it heals some during that process. So if you try or just dodging bullets or fighting the guys that come out of the room and you're not paying attention to the generator for like two cycles, it's back to fully healed. And now imagine trying to do all of this with the stiffest controls you've oh, ever played in a video game. It, it like is. <laughs> but it's well, the kind of thing. Fairly challenging, like Contra controls or something or you know commando like but you're you're controlling this guy that feels like an aircraft carrier and it's it's so i i didn't get to that point i did watch a video of the last level it looks just horrible it it does not look like it's fun at all well it's the way these games were though and and it's something that i Again, if we weren't doing this for this podcast, I would have, and I would have gotten in this room the amount of time I spent, I would not have finished that. But every time I got to it, the first time I got to it, I don't even think I hit the generator. I just died or fell in a hole. I was just like, well, this was, this is something. And then, and then of course, you die and you start at the very beginning and have to do that first boss fight again. And I was like, oh my God, this level is going to kill me. This level is going to do it. I'm not going to finish the game. But the more I played it and the more I got to that room, like now I know exactly what to do to run into that room. I know the order stuff's coming out in. I know exactly where to stand. I can blow through that that room without getting hit and just destroy the the generator no problem. But it took me probably uh, I no less than 30 tries and each try in, consisted of 
fighting that first boss, going through those areas where I had to, to fight my way out, intentionally jumping in the hole so that I could get extra potions and a, a special gun power-up, and starting back at the beginning again, sometimes accidentally falling in a hole and starting from the beginning and again, because it's better than starting over with three hearts and nothing, no items. And it was like, I usually had to play 30 times to get through it, but I learned it. Now I can blow through to that point. However, the last fight with the second form of Zoda is entirely fought in a room that is nothing but, you know, platforms you jump on and a space in between all the platforms, like a big grid of jumps. And I promise you, I accidentally jumped to my death in that room no less than 10 times, and you have to start again at the very beginning of the entire level. Oh. And again, that was another one where I was like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to break this controller in half. I'm going to throw this television in a fit of rage. And this is my last episode of Retrovaniacs. Like, I was so <laughs> angry. And I did finally beat him, but I'm not sure I could do that again very well. That's a tough last fight, especially considering, you know, how stiff the control is and that he does so much damage. And if he actually touches you more than he has, like, spitballs or things that he shoots at you and he has these little spiders that come up, if he himself touches you, you instantly die. And he jumps fairly far so sometimes you'll just be fighting you think you're doing good and he just jumps three spaces up and kills you immediately you're like well that was horrible and once you finish him you have to then jump over those platforms to get to the door which should be no hard task but i promise you someone has actually jumped to their death after killing him and i'm sure that person lost their mind and quit playing video games forever <laughs> it, it is the last two levels of this game the last two chapters are if the whole game was the last two chapters, I don't think anybody would talk about how much they liked Star Tropics. I think the first six chapters have an, an interesting story, have a, a fun setting, uh, and, and an interesting you know, take on, on how to play an action game and a puzzle game and mix them together. But, but chapters seven and eight take all the bad parts of that and make it two long chapters. It's, I don't know if they just felt like they, they needed to kind of go out with a bang or something or, or what, but to, to change... The way, like, I understand you want to have, like, your last stage needs to be something bigger and better than the rest of the game, or and harder. But to to completely change it up that much, and to go from, you know, like you said, the, the charming game that was there before, even though it was frustrating, it, it still had its charm, to just this, it's it's just miserable. I'd be interested to know, someone who has not played you know, 8-bit Nintendo games for their entire life, if they would have the patience for this. Uh, no. I mean, I don't know anybody that has not... You know, I mean, I, I showed it to my kids, but they're too little to, to matter for the for my, my discussion. But I just don't know if anyone that hadn't played games that did this to you would put up with it now. And I don't think they would. I, I don't and, think so. I mean, it's just... It's too... Everything about it, even in, like, the early parts of the game, is just extremely obscure. Like, you have to find, like, look up stuff and figure it out. Because I, I don't understand how anyone got through this game as a kid, unless you had to call the Nintendo hotline or something like that. Speaking uh, just... of. Speaking of. Oh. This marks the first instance. There were more. This is the first instance my father picked up that phone Paid the the, the two ninety nine three ninety nine a minute whatever it was and called the Nintendo hotline. Uh, there was a, we didn't mention it, but there was a point in this game, and we would rent this thing all the time. And it was one of those deals where they 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 tried to kind of 
photocopy the instructions onto the back of the box. Uh, so you kind of got it. It was like diagonal, you know, three fourths of it was cut off. Um, but yeah, but that's all the instructions we got. And apparently there's a point in time, this guy, I think it was chapter four, uh, where there's a frequency that you need to put into your, your submarine to, to progress forward. And we got to that point and we just didn't know. Uh, we didn't recall seeing one. Uh, it, it's not in the game. It's not something that uh, that's going to, oh, we just, we missed this hint here. Apparently, in the, uh, and I think it's probably common knowledge now, uh, you know, in the old, when you actually purchased this game, uh, it came with a, a, like a sheet of, of paper that kind of looked like a letter. And in real life, you would dip this into water and that secret frequency would, would appear on it, which is actually pretty damn cool. And I would have been uh, really impressed as a kid uh, if, I, if I had that. And, and did that but is that what that shit like I, I that's i had to look that up in the game that yes is, that was the only way to get that is just if you owned a copy of the game you had that letter that you would dip and so i mean you have to imagine just it's the worst fucking worst game to fucking rent uh because well, you're yeah. going to get to a point where you are not going to progress any further unless you know you have your parents permission to call the nintendo hotline or or a parent obsessed enough to call it and speak at length about it. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where you get that from. And I mean, that's, that's, it's a very innovative thing. Obviously they weren't thinking about the rental market at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, it just falls in line with the memories I have of this game, which this playthrough, uh, haven't, hasn't tarnished by any means. I, I still had a good time, uh, getting extremely frustrated with my father playing this. Uh, but man, I gotta say, I waited a little, many a year to play this game again, and and I don't think I'm gonna pick it up again. I, I think that's it. We're gonna uh, we're gonna leave that alone, and 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 progress forward. But yeah, just a, just an interesting side note about that whole frequency thing in Chapter Four. That, that's... I just figured that I had missed yet another random thing that somebody was supposed to tell me or whatever. But yeah, it totally comes on there and tells you if you have this, this envelope with this letter that your dad gave you or your uncle or whatever to dip it in water. I'm just like, I can't, I don't have anything like that. What do you want me to do game? I I can't do this. Yeah. The game came with a letter and actually to Nintendo's credit on the, the website where they have the classic manuals, they have a page added at the end where it explains you would have received this letter with a package and at a certain point you're supposed to dip it in water and here's what it says and it shows you what it looks like when it's dipped in water, uh, which is cool. Uh, I actually really like that. That's a very PC, uh, you know, old PC game thing to do. There were plenty of games, you know, Infocom games and even Mil- mm-hmm. um, even Maniac Mansion had, uh, it came with like a poster that looked like it was a, a bulletin board and it had phone numbers and stuff on there that you needed to use in the game to actually progress through some of the, the characters' stories. So, I, I mean, that having uh, in Infocom games are called feelies in the box that give you additional resources you must use for the game is is something that I was I was fairly used to from playing so many PC games. But that said, to have a Nintendo game, especially, I don't even think about the rental market, that is, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> So I had never played the sequel to this. I'm assuming neither of you have played uh, Star Tropics 2 Zoda's Revenge. I have played Star Tropic 2 uh, Zoda's Revenge, and I will just say this much, because I, I did say that 
I think, uh, you know, a lot of times when we play one game and if there's, uh, you know, a second, we'll go ahead and play it too. And, and kind of just put off our thoughts about it. But I said, you know, hold off on this one. I think one day on down the line, this will probably make for a view of its own. I'm going to give you at least this little tidbit. You, you can move diagonally in it. That's a huge bonus. I'm going to be honest. After playing through this, especially through the action games, uh, being able to move diagonal would have been a massive help. So I am intrigued. Uh, however, I think we need another 60 or so episodes before I'm willing to play another yes. Star Tropics. I mean, I, I actually enjoyed the game a, a good deal way more than i figured i would like it, I, I like the that it's kind of set in the the real world you know and obviously not americola isn't around but it's it's set on earth and and it's it's got kind of just a, a charming dumb story for the most part uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously which i love any game that does that uh, it, and for all of its problems, it, it's definitely got a, a unique charm to it that I that I enjoyed. I don't think I'll be picking it up again <laughs> anytime soon to play it, but I'm glad we actually played it for the podcast. Our next episode is a game that Billy's brought up before, uh, and we were going to cover previously, but then decided not to because it was too similar to another game we had. We had played at the time, I believe. Uh, and I'm not even sure how to pronounce this. So if I'm wrong, we'll find out in two weeks when we look at Shakan the Forever Man for the Sega Genesis. Uh, looks looks yeah, pretty this cool. this is one that I, for whatever reason, uh, passed many a time in the, in the rental store. Never picked this one up. Always wished I had. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched very little about it because uh, I was always hoping this is one we would we would do on here. So I kind of didn't want to spoil myself on it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And it's it's good to, to take a trip back to the Genesis. Well, until our next episode, you can find us at Retrovania.net everywhere that you go to any social media site or actually just our redesigned website that points you to all those same social media sites. Uh, and our YouTube channel, which has recently had a video of Mario Paint and maybe some others will be up before our next show. And we will see you next time.